My name is Wizzy Brown. And I'm Bryant McDowell. And I'm Molly Keck. And we're with the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service Department of Entomology, and this is Bugs by the Yard, where we hope to increase your enthusiasm about bugs in the urban landscape. Welcome back to Bugs by the Yard. On this episode, we are going to be talking about the pros and cons of garden preparation. So depending on you and your philosophy, I guess, it really is dependent upon how you feel about things and what you are going to do when you decide to do the garden prep. Some people will do this in the fall when their plants are dying off and other people will do it in the spring right before they are getting ready to plant their new garden. So we're going to try to discuss why you would want to do garden preparation and maybe why you don't want to do garden preparation. And you can make a decision as to where you fit in this. And it may be one or the other, or it may be an amalgamation of the two. When we're talking about prepping the garden, this is essentially it's a lot of sanitation. We're cleaning things up. We're cutting down the old plants that maybe have died off during a freeze and getting that debris out of there. And essentially the big part of that is getting rid of habitat for those insect pests to be overwintering. That can be important, but the flip side of that and one of the benefits of that cleaning up that garden mess, I guess I'm going to say, <laughs> or the plants that have died is that there can be beneficials that are overwintering in those particular areas. And so it really depends on what you're trying to achieve in your yard. And generally how I kind of get around this is I do a mix of it. There are some plants in my yard that I will leave. Usually a lot of the hollow stemmed plants that may have native bees or something that are overwintering in them. I'll leave those up until usually new growth starts to come out from the bottom of the plant. And then I'll cut those down. And then after that, I will put them in a pile in the yard. I don't compost them yet or anything like that. I'll put them in a back corner that way it gives whatever enough time to emerge out. But as far as my vegetable beds, the raised beds that we have that we plant fruits and vegetables in, those I tend to clean up immediately because mm -hmm. I don't want the stuff overwintering in that. So I have those beds relatively clean for when I go to plant, you know, tomatoes or melons or squash or whatever. Back on your, the hollow tube things that you put in the corner, about when do you decide your, that you think they've emerged and you toss it? Do you wait like as long as May or do you give it? I, well, I'm pretty lazy and I usually forget that they're there. So they oh. usually, usually fall or, you know, whenever I get across them again and I see them and I'm like, oh yeah, I need to do something with that. Okay. So you leave them for quite a while. I usually wait a pretty long time. When do you think is safe? If someone like, if they wanted it cleaned out, do you think? you would wait as long as May? I think it really depends on the insect because there are some native bees, I think that it'll take them like a whole entire year to emerge out. So it may be the following year that they come out, but I'm not, I guess, so worried about that. 
I want to give them enough of an opportunity. So I think if you leave them there for a couple of months, then you should be relatively good. Yeah. And then going back to the, the landscape thing, our horticulture guy, there are some, and I don't know which ones there are, but there are some plants that you can cut down almost before the freeze. But then a lot of times he'll say, when we do have a freeze and things look really gross, you just have to deal with it in your landscape because if you cut them back and it warms up and some new growth comes from the roots and you have another deep freeze, then you actually kill the whole thing. So sometimes right after a freeze, it's not always a good idea to chop stuff off. You kind of want to wait until you're pretty sure all the freezes have ended, which isn't landscape wise pretty, but it's safer. You don't have to buy new plants that way. (laughs) Right. A lot of HOAs will say, Hey, you need to prune this back. So that is actually information that you can provide them because they may not know, you know, there is a reason that these plants look really crappy in my yard right now because I'm trying to protect the future of my yard and the plants that are going to be coming up in the springtime. Well, if you need some evidence for that, then it's real simple to get that. You just, I don't know if it's on Aggie Horticulture, but you could email your local horticulture agent through AgriLife Extension. And there may not be one in your specific county, but there's probably one close by and just shoot them an email and ask, we had this freeze on this date. When do you recommend I cut back these plants? And then, then you have it. I mean, I wouldn't make it like all my HOA doesn't want me to do it and this, that, and the other, but just a simple question and you'll get probably the answer you need. So then the other big thing that I, you know, looking out in my front yard, leaves, (laughs) leaves that have fallen off of the trees. Now, of course, it's going to depend on what kind of tree you have. Live oaks haven't really been dropping their leaves yet, but there are other trees that have been. What do you guys do with the leaves? If you don't mind looking at it, I leave leaves. If I rake it up or actually two things, I'll either mow it over and chop those all down and leave it. Or if I rake it up, that will all go into a compost as my, you know, my, my brown material. I think it just depends on the individual. Some people really want a nice pristine lawn, even in the dead of winter. Right. I was at a conference last week and I stayed to hear a friend and colleague, uh, Skip Richter, talking about this. And he was talking about going and collecting all of the other leaves that everybody rakes up and puts in bags on the side of the road. And he actually will put them down because he says that that is essentially free composting material. So he'll collect all of those and he'll put those down. Usually the way that he does it is he'll put it in the aisles of the garden or between, cause like he's talking about vegetable gardens. So he'll put it or the walkway of it. And then, and then by the fall, you can turn that stuff over and put it into the beds and there's your compost and it's free. And, you know, I, I think that's a brilliant idea. Usually what I do with my leaves that blow into my yard typically is I will rake them into the beds and I leave them there. I just leave the leaves and that again, it's providing lots of overwintering habitat for not only insects, but also for other stuff because I don't care if I have pests or beneficials or insects or whatever in my yard, because that just gives me fodder to take pictures and do videos and that sort of stuff. But I just, I leave them there 
And then when I mulch, typically in the springtime, I just mulch over top of the leaves. And mm-hmm. so it's just building up that organic matter to allow that, that to break down. And, you know, it's a lot easier than bagging everything up because that can get very overwhelming and I don't know, annoying, I guess. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a fan of raking leaves. I had to do that a lot as a kid and it just kind of charm, I guess. <laughs> I agree though. Yeah, it's 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 free nutrients for your plants and they they break down rather quickly. If you're worried about everything blown away, I mean you can you can layer it, you know, water it in, and then you could always you know, mowing over it and mulching that and having that matter for your grass is is fantastic. That's a great idea. What are your what are your thoughts on on tilling then, at least for like pest management? There are different philosophies. (laughs) Mine is I always break up the soil. Like I will typically add some, because I said we have raised beds for our vegetables. We'll add compost into that to whatever from last time. And generally I have my kid, uh, you know, here's the hoe and he goes. And I know a lot of people don't do that because they're afraid of disturbing the microbes, but I'm adding fresh stuff in there with the compost and whatnot. So I'm not too terribly concerned. And if you turn over that soil, then that can expose overwintering insects or eggs or whatever um, to environmental conditions, as well as, you know, predators and parasites and stuff like that. So I am all about that, but I also know that there are people that layer things. I think it's called lasagna gardening. Is that what a great name? It's like a little lasagna. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard of that, but I I like that. And I will be, I will be Googling (laughs) lasagna gardening. I, I too, we, we till our garden every year. Um, and we live out in hot, dry, uh, hill country area. So the soil is a little bit more of a it's almost clay-like, but it's not really mm-hmm. clay. Very dense. We have issues with certain grubs and then gra- every year it's like grasshoppers just attack, which there's plenty of other control measures. Um, you know, we mentioned in our last podcast. So getting that food source down whenever the grasshoppers are early on developing. So that way, you know, they're, they don't have a plentiful amount of, uh, you know, food to then grow and become adults that are going to be harder to treat in the future. But also with tilling, you're, you're overturning, at least in that area, uh, the soil that is going to have eggs or those soft bodied grubs who are then subject to, to desiccation, right? Insects have, they have to have moisture essentially i say that that's actually kind of wrong but (laughs) they're very easily prone to desiccation that's why heat you know works with control so overturning those exposing them to the elements and you kind of kill them off early on well and now we don't have like right at this time of the year we don't have a lot of stuff necessarily to do in the garden especially if you're leaving until later for pruning so now would aim to maybe look for any water leaks like in the irrigation system and get those repaired before the season really kind of crazy going. And, you know, even looking on trees and stuff like that for egg masses, you can squish those or you can use some sort of a horticultural oil on those trees to kill off any overwintering 
eggs or insects that might be in the bark of the trees. So that's all kind of good ideas. And, you know, taking a look at your compost, that compost is going to be, if you are composting, that compost is going to be cooler at this time of the year. So, you know, modifying that and adjusting that to figure out what you need to do to tweak that, to make sure that that stuff is breaking down properly. You know, is it too wet? Is it too dry? Is it too much brown versus green? I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there. So this would be, I think, the time of year to kind of check out those other areas. And, you know, speaking of compost, that would be another area when you're looking at that. Do you have insects in that compost? Because there are a bunch of insects that are going to be decomposers that it would be important to have in your compost because that actually tells that you have a healthy compost system. So we have talked about Tilling versus non-tilling, leaves versus raking your leaves versus not raking your leaves, pruning your plants versus not pruning your plants, checking areas that insects may be overwintering and targeting those treatment areas, uh, fixing water leaks. One note on amendments to the soil. So remember, if you've got beds, for example, that you've got plants every year, those plants are utilizing nutrients in the soil. And so it is beneficial to add back, right? To give that soil nutrients again, because if you deplete that and you're not adding anything every year, your plants are not going to be as successful and then therefore more susceptible to insect damage. You know, once we get into later later June and that really hot season when your plants aren't really doing so well anyway, um, those of us in Texas are pretty fortunate where we kind of have two, two growing seasons in a way. You kind of have mm-hmm. like your early early growing season, we're going to get a lot of production, then your plants are going to kind of stall. And then if they Mm -hmm. survive, you've got, you've got another crop kind of in the fall. So yeah, Yeah, my mom always, you know, she's like, Oh, I planted my tomatoes today. And I'm like, Oh, I'm already getting tomatoes off my (laughs) Yes. Yes. She's in Ohio. So it's like completely different. She's got to wait forever to plant her stuff. I often get a lot of people speaking of soil amendments asking, can I pre-treat the soil with something that will prevent insects later on? And I, I never think that that's a very good idea because there are lots of beneficial insects in the soil, aerating it and taking care of it. And I mean, you don't, you never know if those bad bugs are actually going to survive. And so the turning over is really the best thing to let them desiccate and die. Cause it's, it's what's on the plant that generally concerns you, but there's Unfortunately, there's not a preventive spray and walk away kind of a option for you. Right. It's more about building healthy soil, which will then lead to healthy plants, which will then be able to resist disease and insect pests more so than things that are stressed or having issues. Is there a good time to put the compost in your beds? Like, should you put it in there? Cause I usually like dump the compost in and then a couple days later I'm planting. I do that. You know, do I need to give it more time or. I do that or I put it in right under where I'm planting. Like I'll, I'll dig my hole and I, I mix in all my amendments and then I'll put my, my plant on top. If I'm planting actual like seedlings, I guess. Okay. Uh, and like just start like direct, right. Yeah. I feel like I've heard our horticulture agent say to rake it through or dig it through or mix it in with the existing soil. So I 
guess as long as you do that, you could plant immediately. Or well, I wonder if it's probably not a good idea to let it sit for a long time without putting something in the soil. Cause you want those roots to get that fresh stuff in. Yeah. I don't know if the sun would degrade it or not. And that also leads to then controlling your, your moisture content. So a nice, slow, deep drip is great, but you also don't want to leach out all of those nutrients that you've are, you know, put into your soil before your plant can, can uptake it. Um, so there is kind of a, a sweet spot and it's trial and error, something that you should never get discouraged about, especially if you're a first time gardener, it's an annual battle that we all face. So, yeah, well, I think everybody was very, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to say bummed. Yes. Last year, every gardener was just like, well, this isn't growing and this isn't nothing was growing last year. We were in a drought. It was blazing hot. Everything was dying in the sun. It was just crazy, ridiculous trying to grow anything. And, you know, I think I got like maybe five tomatoes last year and they were just like, I don't know. They almost look like miniature ones. They were (laughs) ridiculous. Which is is so funny because you need heat to set fruit a lot of times, but there's a fine line. So it kind of, yep. it makes me appreciate too much farmers. Heat <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Makes so, me a, yeah. Shade cloths too, for, for, for Texas growers, um, you know, like a 20% shade cloth or something that's going to keep those plants protected from the intense heat that we do have toward, I guess it's really, you know, the end of June, July and August, uh, mm-hmm. are really hot. So once we get into those temperatures above, I don't know, what is it like 90 degrees or something, the pollen becomes. Or when you at 10 o'clock at night, it's still 94 degrees outside when our night temperatures aren't cooling off. That's, that's brutal. Yeah. yeah. And you know, why are we talking about like all these things to do to the plants instead of uh, what are the bugs or whatever, you know, we're not really talking about insects because this is all cultural control. These are preventive ways to try to prevent those bad pests. The more stressed out plants are, they release these pheromones that attract insects to them. They don't have all the defense mechanisms they need to fight off those bad bugs. And so you always see more insect damage on plants that are stressed that haven't been cared for from the, from the get-go. And that happens before you buy the plant and put it in the ground. It happens you know, prior to it and using the compost and aerating and taking care of that soil and all that kind of stuff. So I think probably the last prep that I can really think about is weeds. What do we do about the weeds? Do we pull the weeds? Do we compost the weeds? Do we leave them in place? What, what do we do in my personal yard? I'm terrible about weeding. So they generally just hang out there. because I hate weeding in a perfect world. I would get rid of those weeds. I would throw them in my perfect combo, which I don't have that either. When I compost, I just dump it into my compost bin and I don't turn it. I don't add water. I don't do anything with it. So, you know, I could probably take a good class on composting to learn how to do that properly. But I get a lot of questions about weeds. And this also plays into insects. You know, if I have a plant that is infested with aphids, do I put it in the compost pile or do I put these weeds in the compost pile? Or how do you make that decision as to what goes into the compost pile and what doesn't? I think if you're composting properly, then you could probably put the weeds in there and that wouldn't be problematic. If you have insects in your compost pile You need to take into consideration if that is getting hot enough to kill those insects or if they're going to fly out and just go 
infest something else in your yard. Also kind of depends on what the insect is, like maybe thrips. If you're deadheading or you're cutting the infested buds of roses, I say, put that in a bag and take and throw the bag in the trash can. Don't a, a lot of people will cut those infested buds off and let them fall to the ground. Well, then the thrips just go right back up. But I guess do a little research and figure out how well do these things travel? And if they can get up and fly, then they're, if you move it to your compost, they're going to move right back into your good plants. So it's pest dependent. I also tell people to control their weeds. I think that's an important part of sanitation because there's a lot of insects like leaf-footed bugs, which is like the arch nemesis of a tomato grower. A lot of times, if you have a ton of weeds, even cucumber beetles too, the weeds are where they find harborage the adults do during the day. And so you're actually fostering those populations when you allow a lot of weeds to, to be around. Yeah. So the most successful garden I ever had was when I was in college and I did like eight rows. I want to say I had like 60 something plants and I did, I did potted plants with, so as far as the weeds go, it was really easy because I could just kind of mow in there every week or whatever that I did. Another option would be like, I've seen people laying hay down Mm -hmm. uh, or or mulching to kind of combat it. Do you remember the, there was a whole phase, not phase, but there was this, there's like this rave thing to do straw hail or hay, hay bale um, gardening. Do you remember yeah. that? Oh, that they were growing in the bales themselves. I remember yeah. that. And those kind of trendy things, those boutique type things, um, our horticulture agent will always say it's getting people to garden. So is it good? Is it bad? I don't care. It gets people to garden and to think about that and to grow their own food and everything's trial and error too. It's even trial and error if you do it the traditional way. So one last thing that I know it can be overwhelming, you know, especially for a first time gardener, they, they put out one squash plant and they're expecting to get a bountiful <laughs> supply all, all season, but don't be afraid of planting, you know, more than one plant and at different times even. So in general, right, the earlier you're going to plant, yes, you might be risking some cooler temperatures or some stunted growth at first, but you're given that plant the, the best shot to, to grow up and mature before those pest insects are going to be out and and maybe seeking, you know, food or shelter or whatever it is. So therefore you're going to have a stronger plant to then combat that pest insect in general, right? Another upside of that is that you're going to have a continual supply. So once once your first plant kind of stops producing, well that second one that you planted should continue on for you. Again, in general big grain and salt, <laughs> there's plenty of other variables out there to to mess with all of that. Well, they also, if you do plant them a little bit earlier than little online, like the little pop-up tent things that you can stick over mm-hmm. them that are, you know, you yeah. can around. And so that can possibly give them protection against the cooler temperatures. And that way you can kind of have that to protect those plants from frost. Those are a really cool invention and they're not super expensive. You can get them off of Amazon, but they're like pop-up greenhouses. All, or, isn't mm-hmm. that what they're yeah. called? Kind of a mm-hmm. thing. They're not real big, but they're, I just, I think that's like genius. Wrapping up, do you prep your garden for spring or do you wait? It's really a personal decision. Keep in mind, do you want to take this? Do you want to conserve beneficials? Which are you more concerned about? Or you can do kind of a hybrid like I do where you clean it up in some areas and then other areas you just kind of let it be. So I guess the point of what we're wanting to do with this particular code is get you thinking about 
where the insects are overwintering, what you're wanting to achieve with your particular area of the garden. And, you know, because it's all, again, it's about balance. We need the beneficials, but the beneficials are going to need some level of pests to feed on. And so you have to keep in mind as you're gardening. So, you know, again, observe and appreciate nature as you're going through this. So if you have questions, log on and email one of us. Um, or if you have show ideas or anything, let us know. And we will catch you next time.